is a delight once again to uh, be a part of this Lenten preaching season. I have uh, everywhere I go, I try to make mention of the fact of how I appreciate uh, the commitment of this church to the propagation of the gospel. I believe this is the longest standing season of Lenten preaching in the country and that takes a great commitment on the part of the church to support it and to keep it going. So thank you so much, as well as the invitation for me to participate in this uh, very important series of, of uh, worship services. Uh, what I'd like to do over the next couple of days is sort of link or work from a particular theme, and that is the physical nature of the gospel. Uh, We often hear of the gospel presented in all of its internal, emotional, and spiritual terms, but very subjective terms of what the gospel is and what the gospel does. And, And certainly we do hear in the New Testament those spiritual elements of the gospel that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that we have received reconciliation through the blood of Christ. But there is a very physical dimension to the gospel. And I want to take two days to talk about the importance of the physical benefits of the gospel as a part of what we announce to a fallen world. And so I want to begin with that, or in that, in looking at John chapter 1, verse 14 very familiar portion of scripture, the gospel of John and the first chapter and the 14th verse. And it reads as follows. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. May God richly bless both the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Let's ask God's blessings upon our time. Gracious God, we do thank you for this day that you have granted to us. We thank you for this opportunity of worship and this season in which we celebrate the passion of our Savior. We thank you for the gift of Jesus and pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear anew the actual good news of Jesus coming in the flesh. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm not sure who said it first, but I know it's ascribed to both Mark Twain as well as to William Randolph Hearst, or at least uh, at, at least the portrayal of William Randolph Hearst uh, in the film Citizen Kane. But the statement goes along these lines. When a dog bites a man, that is not news. But when a man bites a dog, that is news. So it is with the gospel. It's not news. It's unfortunately the case. When men aspire to deity, it might seem a little insane, but it's not news. When men either try to build ladders to God or even when they claim themselves to be smaller deities. It is not God, it is not unusual, it's not, it's not newsworthy. When men looking at their own plight and their own conditions 
and their own limitations and aspire to ascribe to themselves characteristics that are only associated with deity. It makes sense because certainly most of us would desire to be more than what we presently are. So we look at ourselves and we ascribe and we desire for ourselves those things that are beyond ourselves. It's not just the domain of, or it does not, this, this, this desire and this, this even delusion to some point is not just a religious matter. Men either claim for themselves the ability, even as Nebuchadnezzar does, as he looks out over the kingdom that he has ruled over, and he ascribes unto himself some sense of deity. Look at Babylon. Look at great Babylon. Aren't I good? And so the fact that men would either think themselves divine or hope themselves to be divine, it's not really that surprising. It might come to us in twisted ways. It might come to us as, as somewhat thwarted in, in the way that it's portrayed. We look at Greek mythology and we see individuals either aspiring to be more and therefore claiming for themselves deity. We see even in certain other religions, people desiring to be more. And we even see in the scriptures, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians speaks of the great falling away. And at that time, he says that someone will come into the house of God, into the very temple of God, and will claim himself, will boast himself above the things of God, and claim himself to be God. So the aspiration of fallen flesh to desire deity is not unusual. It's not newsworthy. In fact, we might look at it as being a little twisted when people just boldly and blatantly say that I am God. It's not really that unusual. I remember an episode of MASH, the television series, where uh, there, was, uh, there was a soldier that was brought in to see the psychiatrist because he claimed to be Jesus. And after the psychiatrist interviewed him and gave him all of the, the psychological tests, he found him to be basically sane. But he had a God complex. Again, the fact that man in trying to escape the reality of his finite, frail condition, aspires to or ascribes unto himself attributes that are divine is not surprising. So in other words, it's not newsworthy. But here is what is, what, what is newsworthy. What is newsworthy is when deity becomes flesh. It's not surprising that man, with his flaws and his failures, and the fact that he is conscious of, the, of that, that he is, is finite, and when we consider that deity is infinite and all-powerful and all-knowing and, and never slumbers nor sleeps, it is not surprising that man wants to be God but it is surprising that God desires to be man. And brothers and sisters, here is the good news of the gospel. Gospel, it's news 
because it doesn't center on the fact of man becoming God. It's news because now God becomes man. So in other words, it's not about dogs biting men. That happens. And men claiming to be God happens. But only once in human history has God become man. So the gospel is good news because it tells us that the eternal word of God condescended and became man. We don't have a place in our mind to store that because we think that what is, what, what is he lacking? In fact, I love in Psalms 50 when God, God through the psalmist says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. Those are God's words. So in other words, he's saying, even if I were hungry, you don't have the wherewithal to satisfy me because God lacks nothing. God has no tears that he needs to cry. God has no need to sleep. He does not get tired. He, he is everywhere at the same time. And yet, that God takes on human flesh. That's what the gospel begins with. Not that man has reached up to God, which he always does, from the Tower of Babel all the way through the rest of human history. We have been trying to reach God. But the good news of the gospel is that when we could not, God reached down to us. And he doesn't just reach. He condescends and takes on human flesh. Now here's the beauty of that. When we hear of flesh, we, our only experience with human flesh is after the fall. So we sit here, aging. We sit here, not able to do the things that we used to do. But think about Adam. We can't even do the things that Adam could do before the fall. All of us are familiar with the old adage the, the, the flesh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The, the fact that the, the flesh is weak, and it's not just weak, it's decaying. The flesh, we have no good reports when it comes to the flesh. And you know, here's the reality, brothers and sisters. Not only can we not escape the the, the, the finiteness of our fleshliness, we can't reverse its curse. We can't reverse the fact that we, we can't buy back years. We can try to do stuff to the flesh to try to make it seem like it's not getting old, but it is. We might have stuff in our, in our cabinets that will we'll try to you know, hide, the, hide a few grays. The flesh is failing. And the only solution for decaying flesh is that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Here's the beauty of that statement. Most of us, most of us are like Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx says, you know, I would never join a club that would have me as a member. 
And most of us, as, even as we try to put on a good face, we know that we are flawed and that we are just not good people. And, and we understand when people break away from us. We are, in fact, when we see in this verse where it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, what it's saying, it's, it's, it's really taking us back to the garden where Adam and Eve sins against God and then he banishes them so that he would not be in their presence. We are told in Exodus that after the goat and calf fiasco and, and the Lord says, Moses, I'm going to send my, my angel to be with you. And, and Moses says, Lord, no, I, if you don't go with us, then it's not even worth making the trip. God basically says, no, I can't stand being with you. I, I don't want to be with these people. And so the word made flesh is about and dwelling among us. Is God identifying with that which we cannot escape and God reaching out to us in our alienated state, coming to us, coming to us as in a leper colony and deciding to have fellowship with us. The good news of the gospel and what we celebrate in the passion of our Lord is that the God who neither slumbers nor sleep put on the cloak of humanity so that he would have need of sleep and he sanctifies every part of our human experience and what he takes to the cross what he takes to, to his cross is the perfect life so that the Father in return could give to those who come to him by the Son all of the benefits of his eternal goodness and life. The gospel is news because it doesn't tell us about dogs biting men. The gospel is good news because it tells us something unthinkable. That God became flesh and that does something good for our flesh. It's for this reason that the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians could say that we know that this earthly tabernacle of a tent, when it dissolves, we have another building not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. And how can we be sure of that, brothers and sisters? Because the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And in him, we beheld the glory as of the only begotten Son of God. Here's where the gospel becomes physical. That God so loved us that he sent his son into the world. And grace is so super abundant that he takes on all of our weaknesses of flesh yet without sin. And he triumphs in his body where we cannot. Brothers and sisters, that's what this season is about. That the word was made flesh 
Therefore, our failing flesh has hope for eternity. Let's pray and ask God's blessings. Father, it is said in the scriptures that when Jesus came into the world, he said, sacrifice and burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire. But a body you have prepared for me to do your will, O oh God. Our hope, our confidence, and our joy is that the word made flesh has accomplished your will. And the knowledge that he has accomplished what you have desired is our only hope for eternal life. So that these bones that are growing old and weary will rejoice forevermore. Thank you for the flesh of Jesus. And thank you for faith in that flesh. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.